It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to yet another sparkling edition of Plank of the Week, the most successful television show that Talk Radio has ever done. Uh, in fact, it's one of the very few television shows that Talk Radio has ever done. But it is very popular. People love it. And if you do love it, what I want you to do is this. I want you to subscribe uh, to the YouTube channel. We'll remind you how to do that a little bit later on. Today, I'm delighted to say uh, we are joined by two uh, regulars uh, on this particular show. They've certainly done it before. Uh, in my case, uh, probably more than once. Maya Tuzzi is here, Conservative YouTube star. Uh, and Belinda DeLucy, former MEP for the Brexit Party. Very nice to see both of you looking so well. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Uh, there's been, as ever, a massive week of plankery. Um, difficult for me to find three uh, out of about 25 that I had an original list of. Who's your first one? Well, uh, as you remember, a few months ago, just before Brexit happened, people like Dawn Butler were very concerned about Boris Johnson using the words like surrender because these are bad, aggressive words. A few days ago, she, she herself, Dawn Butler, stood up and said that the government's knee is on uh, well, the neck of the... well working class and ethnic minorities and black people in this country, the government's knee. Yes. And apparently that's not aggressive language. Yes. Yeah, this is the uh, the, uh, the phrase that she's stolen from Al Sharpton, who uh, is this uh, sort of civil rights campaigner in America, who's been campaigning for civil rights for so long that I remember him back in the 80s. And in fact, he was portrayed in Bonfire of the Vanities um, uh, as, as this kind of, uh, used to be known as Fat Al Sharpton, because he used to be this huge, very large man. He's now lost all sorts of weight. But he is quoted permanently now on Sky News. Um, as, you know, the reason that the black community in America hasn't been able to uh, advance itself is because you had your knee on our neck. And they repeat it, this mantra. Um, and Belinda, you know, it's a bizarre time we're living through. And I think a lot of the planks are going to have something to do with, no doubt, racism throughout. But, I mean, this yeah. phrase, your knee on, your, on our neck, and this whole kind of adoption of Americanisms is bizarre, isn't it? Well, it's a very murderous term because, of course, it completely relates to the horrific killing of George Floyd. So mm. it's not just the case of the knee on the neck. It's, it's relating to an unlawful killing. Mm. Um, and so it is it is murderous language. And it's also, I think, highly insulting to group together, um, you know, working class and blacks and Asians as as feeling like the government's knee is on their neck. I mean, everyone has different political opinions. doesn't matter what colour skin you are. But Dawn Butler generalised millions of people and and spoke for them as if they felt the government was mm. murdering them. And I just think that kind of language is hysterical. I think it's peak woke at the moment and people are trying to outdo each other on who can be more, you know, explicit in how horrific and awful the Tories are or how awful the English are. And and it's sort of some weird kind of Olympics that are going on at the moment between um, Labour MPs and left wing people who want to uh, demonise 
groups like the Tories or white people at the moment. It's ridiculous. Yeah, well, Maya, you've seen um, all sorts of interesting racism um, against yourself, haven't you, by Black Lives Matter, uh, who decided that you should die as a result of wanting to clean up Winston Churchill's <laughs> statue. I don't personally mind the, the kind of casual insults uh, because it, as in, I, I put all insults in the same category of insults, whether it's, you know, based on my skin color or attacking my mother, whatever it is. I don't I don't play the victim could uh, victimhood card to be like, oh, racism, because uh, they're all, all idiots, basically. Uh, whatever they say, it's all stupid anyway. My issue is, as both of you said, firstly, it's a very Americanized kind of mentality, aggressive politics. Mm. Secondly, uh, you mentioned George Floyd. Actually, it's the same with uh, uh, Joe Cox. Politically, they've been using her name every time they need to. And that's, it's kind of disgusting, actually. And uh, yeah, it shouldn't really be the case that the left always hijack language in their favour. No, they really shouldn't, because, of course, we've already seen as well the Labour Party accusing Priti Patel of not being capable of suffering from racism because she's a Tory, effectively, which is about the maddest thing I think I've heard uh, all year, and I've heard a lot of bad stuff this year. They love talking about diversity, but not when uh, anyone who's not white talks about having different political opinions. They want to keep people in a box. It's, it's, it's actually quite terrifying how they want to control um, people's political thought and claim that anyone of colour who has any other line of thinking and doesn't toe the live left line is somehow a traitor to their race mm. or you get the horrific words like Oreo and coconut, these Uncle Tom racist terms that the left quite happily use against anyone of colour diverging from their political thought. Oh, I know. And I mean, it seems incredible that we've got a, a cabinet and a conservative uh, parliamentary party, which I don't think has ever been more ethnically diverse. I mean, it seems bizarre that they've chosen this moment to make out that, you know, this terrible you know, sort of almost white supremacy is going on uh, inside <laughs> of parliament. It's bizarre. Anyway, uh, let's move on and get your first one, Belinda. What do you, what, who are you going to nominate? Uh, my first plank of the week is Burnley Football Club. Oh, yes. um, I found it's hysterical overreaction to a White Lives Matter banner that flew over their game against Man City yesterday. Um, quite problematic. Um, I think a very moderate response would have been that it was perhaps insensitive timing, seeing as they just knelt and uh, in solidarity with Black Lives Matter. Um, that's another issue. But still, it, my, my, my fear is their overreaction and issuing lifetime bans to the culprits, whoever flew this White Lives Matter banner, is so extreme that it's actually fueling the very kind of identity politics and culture wars that we're trying to resist in our sports. Mm. Um, and it was so over the top that um, it's just going to um, make people who believe White Lives Matter, as well as every other colour, feel more resentful towards, you know, these... these um, heavy-handed muscle establishment yeah. uh, organisations with their absolute obsession with Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter has had a huge amount of coverage. I mean, a huge amount of coverage recently. And after the horrific terror attacks at the weekend, you know, the worst terror attacks we've had in this country since London Bridge, um, I, I would have found it more respectful for all major sporting events next week to pay respects to the victims of that. Mm. But there's this... In, constant demand for Black Lives Matter platform and voice because it is a political movement. The anti-racism message is good. I mean, it's a wonderful message. You've got um, Kick It Out, you've got Show Racism, the Red Card, you've got lots of organisations in football that are anti-racist. Um, but this Black Lives Matter obsession, I think, is going to backfire and it's just sowing more division. And the, the, the guys that sent the banner, they may have been insensitive and it may have been bad timing, but 
but the kind of attacks on them and who's going to win the outrage games and mm. be more condemning of them. Uh, you've seen it on telly. I mean, they're going hysterical over yeah. this banner. It doesn't sound a good message. Not a good message to say that the slogan "White Lives Matter" is offensive. Well, it you seems can say bizarre, the timing might have been offensive, but yeah, it seems odd that the Black Lives Matter is not a racist statement, but White Lives Matter is. I just don't get that, Maya. Yeah, it, it, it is funny, and actually, Blinda said something really interesting. When it comes to football and Premier League and FIFA, um, it, they are acting as if until now they've ignored racism so they have to basically show that they're against racism by doing all these things they're changing the name of the t-shirts and all that we always had messages for anti-racism during every football match anyway second issue i have with premier league and these brands uh, and any other kind of company as a capitalist if, if your you know business and your audience and customers are from you know a certain group for example if you have a hipster cafe in in in, in, in cackney then fine, you could be very woke because that's your customer base. Football fans, <laughs> they're not necessarily that woke, so I don't, know, I don't know why they're alienating their own fan base. Yes, I think that's very true. I'm going to go with my first one. It's another kind of episode of madness, really, from this whole um, you know, race debate that's going on. Uh, Plaid Cymru's leader in uh, Wales, which is still, as far as I'm aware, uh, a no-go area for anyone from, from Britain, the rest of Britain. You're not allowed into Wales. You're not allowed out of Wales. They've still got kind of you know, border patrols going up and down. I mean, I used to go to Wales quite a lot, but I can't really think of a good reason why I should go now. Um, but Plaid Cymru's leader, Adam Price, uh, has issued his profound regret this week uh, because he unfortunately asked uh, for Wales to be compensated by the UK for being ground down into poverty. And he asked for reparations. Now, it turns out that reparations is not a word that any of us can now any longer use unless we use it in the correct context. And the correct context, of course, is reparations for harm done uh, to anyone during the slave trade. Uh, so if you were in some way related to somebody who was ground down by the slave trade, you can ask for reparations. But if, for example, um, you have uh, an accident at home and your house gets flooded. You can't ask for reparations from an insurance company. You can't ask for reparations from somebody driving a car if they bang into you because unless they are in the slave trade, you can't use the word. So I'm sorry, Adam Price, but you can't start reconstituting the English language. It's bad enough that everything in Wales has to be printed in triplicate because they have to do English, Welsh and whatever else language anybody else wants to talk down there. So basically, um, Adam Price is a massive plank because um, apart from the fact that he looks like a massive plank and he never, he never appears to have find anything funny at all. He never smiles. He's very glum. He's trying to re-establish words and what their meaning is. I find it extraordinary. Maya? Yeah, I mean, we, we just talked about that earlier. It's all up, with the left. It's all about words and how they hijack them, how they redefine them. And firstly, I mean, when it comes to Wales, as you said, Wales is uh, basically now our British version of uh, Chaz in America. It's yes. becoming own part and no one can touch it <laughs> but everything's now blocked uh but it is absolutely ludicrous the way they left uh, uh use language in, in that way but ironically it's kind of funny because eventually they always the left always eat itself yeah uh, so they're gonna basically offend themselves and each other and then they're gonna come after each other like what happened with the the radical feminists and the transgender community and like now they're all attacking each other it's, it's it's kind of funny to watch, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, poor old J.K. Rowling, who doesn't figure, I don't think, this week. But I mean, uh, she actually, I mean, the world has gone so mad that she actually now looks sane. She was like, enough of this nonsense. You're literally, I'm telling you facts and what I believe in. And you're hounding me and witch hunting me out of a debate. And she said sex was real and biological sex matters. That was it. She got absolutely 
uh, torn to shreds by Twitter and all the little snotty millennials that had been in her films, you know, from Daniel Radcliffe to Emma Watson all came out pro-trans. But um, it silences people. It's censoring people. When you redefine words, when you redefine what a woman is, when you redefine what reparations mean or what racism means, it's all about the cancel culture. You cancel words, you cancel people. If the left can't win democratically, they go in underneath, you know, and they try and control your language. And that's the way that they win. Mm. You just have to reject it completely. Yes. I sometimes wonder, Maya, whether there is a sort of lefty playbook that they're all using uh, to try and get what they want, because they've clearly worked out, uh, even they, uh, as stupid as they are, that they can't win an election. They can't get what they want via, via the ballot box. So they're trying all these other methods to sort of change the way we are. I think, jokes aside, this is what they discovered decades ago. Uh, after the 40s and 50s, and what they decided to do is they realized that uh, people in the West, uh, they don't, if not necessarily conservative leaning, I mean, they are culturally conservative mostly, ordinary people, but if they're not free marketeers, then they're not socialist either. So, what they, they decided to do is that they um, basically dominated academia and media and all the other institutions, and especially education, and they're using those platforms to obviously slowly brainwash every single generation. And this is what they do. Um, they, you're right. They can't win elections, but they can do that um, to, you know, for, for people to be forced to pick as left wing as possible in terms of every yeah. election. Yeah, absolutely right. Who's your second nominee, Maya? It's the NHS X app test and trace. <laughs> I've, I've been very frustrated over this whole thing because you have two aspects of this. You've got the actual app and you've got the program, which is, you know, they call people to kind of say you're infected or not. And uh, I had a whistleblower on my YouTube show a few days ago who basically said uh, they're not making any phone calls and uh, they, they were wasting tens of thousands of um, taxpayers' money on them. And now we have the app not working and uh, they didn't know if they should go with centralization method or they should go private with Apple or Google. And now it's costing £12 million of taxpayers' money <laughs> for something that's not working. What is going on? <laughs> Well, Belinda, the one thing you can be sure about is if the government's ever involved in any project, it immediately costs about 85 times more than it would do if you went and did it commercially, right? Uh, yeah, but at the beginning, they never say that. They do a lovely little neatly packed amount and then they keep the end amount very, very quiet until there's some investigation about it. But yeah, I mean, it's all about optics at the moment as well. They have to be seen to be doing something. Whether it works or not might be completely irrelevant, but they're doing something and, and that's how they sort of, you know, get rid of all the bad headlines is that they've got this headline about this you know track and trace thing and isn't that wonderful it hasn't mm. been proved disastrous completely yet so they can ride that way for a bit um but yeah no i'm with Meyer on that one that is very planky yes is this not the thing that was meant to be world class as well when they said that it was going to be world class when it was ready and then they said actually it won't be world class when it's ready but it will be world class <laughs> after a few months when it's ready and then now yeah, no, it's not ready at all <laughs> yeah at first it was supposed to be world class then today's statement in parliament from the government is that uh, well no country has a functioning app anyway no. like, <laughs> so just because no other country has a functioning app then it's okay we're fine it's actually basically. actually isn't true because they've got one uh, i think in germany where we speak germany. to somebody there uh, which works very well so which i said to this person i was talking to who's correspondent there why don't we just use that one then um, and there was no answer. Nobody knows why we can't just use the one the Germans are using, which seems to work perfectly well. But I got into trouble this week as well, because um, I don't know whether you've noticed, but if you look, if you've got an iPhone, if you look in your um, um, settings and you go into privacy and you go into health, there is a little COVID-19 thing there, uh, which yeah. has apparently been given to us 
um, without anybody asking. Now, the, all these geeky people kept coming on to me going, it's not an app, you're an idiot, you're, you're looking like some kind of, you know, caveman who doesn't understand technology. I said, look, I don't care what it is. The point is it's been put there by somebody uh, without me being asked about it. And they're like, don't you know you're being tracked by Twitter and Facebook? And I'm like, yeah, well, I know that, but I've opted into those systems. I have not opted into this one, and therefore I didn't ask for it. I don't know whether you've checked your phone, Belinda, but you probably got it as well. I I've totally checked my phone and I have it. And I, I listen, it's all great if they're doing it for the, for the greater good, but you, they put something on a personal device. So if yeah. they can put that, what else can they put? Well, exactly. What else are they doing? I exactly. mean, this is it. It's, it's a dangerous territory. It really is. And all these people who go, it can't be activated unless you want it to be. And you go, oh, well, that's okay then. Certainly, <laughs> I certainly trust the big tech companies and the government not yeah. to misuse anything on my phone to check what I'm saying to anyone or doing. I mean, are you having a laugh? I mean, these people are absolutely incredible. Who's your second one, Belinda? Oh, with a heavy heart, Mike, it is Prince Harry. Oh, dear. And <laughs> I have resisted. I have resisted, you know, going for Harry in the way some people have just yeah. because I've I've wanted to believe in him and that, that somewhere deep down inside is the old Harry we know and love, yeah. the chuckling, naughty, twinkle in the eye type that yeah. served our country. Uh, but no, he's gone too far. He has supported the investigation into banning Swing Low Sweet Chariot at rugby games when England plays. Now that for me, I'm sorry, you've crossed a line, Hazard. Um, <laughs> it's game over. It is, it, it's also ridiculous because the song Sweet, uh, Swing Low Sweet Chariot is not a racist song at all in any way. It is believed to have been written by a slave in the 19th century called Wallace Wallace. Um, and it's believed to have been written about his hardships during slavery and that heaven awaits him. Yes. Um, when we sing it in stadiums, I'm a big rugby fan. When I stand there in a the stadium, I sing it. I interpret it completely different. So does everyone else. No racist connotations whatsoever. And I think it's insulting as well, again, to, to anyone from the black Asian community to say they'd be offended by a song that isn't racist in the slightest, but just happened to have history mm. somewhere connected possibly to slavery. Um, so he's, he's behind investigating that and telling us how awful we are singing such horrific songs that could offend yes. so many people. I don't think anyone's offended and, by and that song. No, I don't I think, think so. Think. I mean, I can imagine some people being offended by some of the actions that people do when the song is being sung, uh, which uh, I was uh, explained about uh, some, some years ago when I was I much younger. I don't know what you're talking No, about. I'm sure what you have no idea. About, but there may well be footage of you doing it, so I'm not going to uh, press you on that. But certainly there is definitely footage of Harry not necessarily doing the actions, but certainly singing the song, because I think it was in a game against Tonga um, where somebody put out a video, which I saw the other day, of him vigorously singing along to the song, right? Because it was in honour of his birthday or something like that. Um, and also, as you say, the guy that wrote it, apparently not only was he a, a slave, but he wrote it after he was freed. So he had become a free man and he was uh, reflecting on his time, you know, uh, as a slave. So it really is ridiculous. But it just goes to show you that what Meghan wants, Meghan gets, doesn't it? Yeah. And uh, you mentioned how uh, Harry himself, for example, sang this song. So if we're cancelling things, I'm more than happy to cancel Harry at this point. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it is funny because uh, uh, this whole thing with the, it's not just Harry. It's, it's also the whole gang of these people, especially the so-called intellectual left. Uh, who are going after, they, these are the people who are leading the movement, basically mm. telling all these activists and kids that, oh yeah, that's this statue, that's a bad one, whatever. And as people have always said, Hayek said this you know, a few times, some of the most stupid people are the educated ones. Yes. Like they, they always go for the wrong ones. They went for Robert Peel, even though they were supposed to go for his dad, because they don't know their history. <laughs> <laughs> well, the guy, the guy Milligan, who was taken down from East India Dock, 
who I'd never heard of, quite frankly. I didn't even know he was there. But he was the sort of second statue that went down after Colston in Bristol. Um, he apparently was a slave trader. He had a big um, sort of, you know, estate in Jamaica uh, and in uh, other parts of the Caribbean. But he also built East India Dock and was one of the biggest kind of influencers in that time. And I've, I've always been of the opinion that, you know, a statue is not necessarily about somebody that you hero worship. It's about somebody who was a, a significant figure uh, at, at the time. And of course, Tower Hamlets, which is the council that had it taken down, uh, have been in charge of that, that council since about 1965. However, uh, only a couple of weeks ago did they realise that one, this statue was there, and two, that they found it incredibly offensive. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's very interesting as well that people with such huge platforms like Harry and a lot of the celebs use it to bemoan the past, but they don't use it to encourage people to donate to anti-slavery charities today. They don't even mention no. the horrific slavery that's going on in the EU and in London under Sadiq Khan, you know, under his watch, yeah. that's increased by 50% in the last five years. Not a word. It's all about what's done and passed. And I find it, it's dangerous because it's the Purge Olympics now. What's, what's next? Play that funky well, music, White Boy and Brown Sugar. I mean, Penny Lane. Yeah. They're all going to get the chop. Well, somebody sent me a picture the other day of a packet of potatoes, which are called Superior White Potatoes. And I, I can't imagine <laughs> they're going to last the end of the week, to be honest. I mean, you know, you're going to get rid of all of that right out of Tesco's. Um, I'm going to put, talking of people that don't do their jobs properly, I'm going to put a police officer in uh, who I never heard of until uh, this previous weekend just passed, Commander Alex Murray. He's the guy who made a little video because that's what police are really good at doing now is making videos. They're not actually any good at arresting anyone uh, or uh, indeed stopping people from breaking the law. They're not interested in that anymore. They are interested, however, in taking the knee and making videos. And this guy, this guy makes a video in which he says, um, you know, this weekend, uh, obviously, the weather is going to be quite good. Um, there, there are plans for a Black Lives Matter march. Uh, we would like to urge everyone to stay at home and not to take part. Um, however, he then said, uh, but if you feel compelled uh, to march, and I'm not even sure what that means, you know, compelled to march. You know, I feel like I feel like I could be compelled to drink a bottle of gin and get in a Lamborghini and see how fast I can make it go down Knightsbridge. But I mean, I've, I'm afraid there's already people doing that who are, who are not far from where you come from, by the least, who do it every Saturday night. But, you know, but the point is, is that, you know, if you're compelled to go to a march, we would urge you to remain at a safe distance from your friends and to try and stay out of trouble. And then he said, well, of course, if there's any violence, we will be investigating it uh, and we will be uh, taking uh, pictures of you and we will arrest you later. So it was kind of like, OK, so... Don't come to the march. And then you go, uh, I'm coming. Uh, OK, you can come to the march then. Um, whatever you do, don't uh, you know, get too close to anyone. Well, we're going to stand very close. OK, all right, all right. But look, if you come to the march and you walk around together, don't, whatever you do, get violent. Well, we might have a bit of a punch up. OK, all right, well, you can do that, but we might arrest you later. We won't actually stop the violence. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I don't know what's happened to the police in this country, Mike. Not just that. I mean, there, there's one more fundamental problem with this whole thing was that Parliament, the week before, voted to make all protests illegal. And the police's job is to enforce the law. Yeah. And they were just basically saying, yeah, you're coming out anyway. Have fun. I mean, so, what was the point of making the law, Belinda? If, if nobody, if, presumably if nobody, if nobody adheres to the law, it's not a law, is it? Well, this is the problem. It's kind of a double standard. Some, you know, crimes are permissible if they're from a political wing or some, you know, uh, some racism is permissible if you're from another political wing. The, the, they've got it all wrong. The police saying that, literally giving people permission to break the law if they belong to a certain political movement. 
and that's not the UK uh, uh, that I was brought up in. You, you have equal treatment for everyone. You cannot give permission for certain people to protest, go crazy and, and you know, riot. And, and then others, they come down on 10 times as hard. It has to be equal. But um, I think the police have been taken in a little bit with, you know, understanding that all this sort of rioting, you know, it comes from a place of hurt. This, this was instigated, this movement's from America. Mm. You know, America sneezed, England caught the cold. We've got all these protests and rioting happening in, in England. And I think a lot of people are looking around not understanding what's going on. No, it doesn't exactly. help that the police are sort of encouraging it with their sort of, yeah. you know, you can I mean, I can, see, I can see how the last thing they really need now is for a load of, you know, sort of riot, riot shield police wearing, um, you know, kind of baton charging people and hitting them over the head and causing damage and injuring people and maybe even killing them. I can see they don't need that. But surely there's something between doing nothing and actually, you know, killing someone. Isn't that the job of the police, Maya? Yeah, but as uh, we've discussed, like, actually throughout this, this whole programme, uh, whether it's the, the state or the, the government or now the police, obviously, these days it's just about showing that you're doing something. And, uh, for, for example, uh, the Met Police have this Twitter account. And uh, when I received the death threats, they like quickly, publicly tweeted, Hi, Maya, can you DM us the details and get in touch? And they do it to everybody. But when you actually get in touch with them, they never reply to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as, as I say, they're good at making videos. They're good at uh, having Twitter accounts. But actually doing anything, who knows? Yeah. 
open and honest about it. Yeah, just don't, don't pretend that you're not. Exactly right. Did he not also have a... He had a big row with Ian Dale shortly before these guidelines came out, I think. Um, but also he then had a row, I think, with somebody who said, you'll have to be careful now, Adam. You've got these new Twitter rules to obey. And he said, they're not rules. They're not rules. They're just guidelines. So he doesn't actually think they apply to him anyway, Belinda. No, well, yeah. we had Adam over the Brexit years as well, and he was determined to frame Brexit as a far-right movement. And he, he adopted the language very quickly of the hard Brexit and software and crashing yeah. out and all the kind of language yeah. of Remain. He adopted without a moment's notice. I don't think there's so much sort of narcissism and self-promotion with these news uh, readers at the moment. They're, they're very interested in getting the most clicks, the most likes, to be the most sort of radical and conflicty. And I just miss Trevor McDonald of the past. Oh, yes. you know, those, <laughs> those halcyon days where, where news readers just read the news right. and didn't give us their views constantly. Right. Well, I mean, I think they make, they're, they're trying for all these clicks on Twitter and social media because they're trying to make up for the fact that hardly anybody's actually watching the TV that they're on. Because I think Adam Bolton's audience has dwindled down uh, to something below 100,000 now. It might even be quite a lot lower than that uh, on some days where um, you know he does this political show which I usually have on while I'm doing my show but you can look at it without the sound on and realize how bad it is just without even hearing it just because of all the people that he's got on talking about stuff I mean you can just tell that it's turgid it's awful he's trying to lead you into places where you don't really want to go I mean it's just and it, it seems to me and I'm not saying it's just because talk radio is the future but I mean Sky TV Sky News is definitely the past isn't it yeah and uh I mean, you, not not to be completely uh, showing off, but uh, we did the numbers obviously recently and discovered that Sky News, the flagship program with Adam Bolton, is actually now getting um, uh, less ratings and reviewing compared to my YouTube channel. There examples. you go. There you go. So listen. <laughs> so so everybody's in, in good shape here. So Maya's getting bigger, better, better viewing figures than Adam Bolton, <laughs> as we are. Belinda, all you got to do is start off a, a, a blog or a TV channel, and you'll be in the same boat yeah. as well. Yeah, Alex and Alex Phillips and I might set, set something up. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard. I have heard there might be something in the pipeline. Now, tell us about your final uh, nominee. All right, my third plank is uh, Lewis Hamilton. Oh, yes. Um, he's getting right on my wick. Mm. I have to be honest. Um, he, his god complex is on steroids at the moment. Uh, I thought it was bad when he was telling all his fans to go vegan yeah. and to respect the environment when he was, you know, using private jets two hundred times a year. Well, also drives Formula a car one. which probably burns more fuel uh, than a jumbo jet. Exactly. Um, but he's recently come out and got very involved in Black Lives Matter. Um, and I completely respect that he wants to have a view on it and that he fights for racial injustice in his own way. It's the hypocrisy that I mind. He's not calling out the fact that the car he drives, Mercedes, you know, the, the very company that got rich off the back of over 40,000 slave laborers in mm. during the Third Reich. Um, and, you know, he's a model for Hugo Boss, the very company that helped uh, <laughs> close the Nazis in the 1930s. You know, he's picked the two most sort of yep. horrific German companies that were funded by um, the dreadful work camps over there. And I just think before you preach, if you're making money from companies that have all these links that you're so offended by, you need to at least have the gut to have a balanced view and come out and say, yes, I know I'm making money. And I work, you know, with Mercedes and Hugo Boss and their pastors like this. But I also support, you know, Black yeah. Lives Matter. I just find the hypocrisy yes. so rough. And, it, and it's very common among lots of celebs. They keep very quiet about how they make their money and, and yet like to preach to the rest of us. Well, he also doesn't seem to object to driving around in Bahrain, where they have one of the Grand Prix, which is possibly one of the most dreadful and ghastly um, sort of overbearing uh, dictatorships in the entire world where people get murdered no, on a regular basis by the state. Yeah. 
Not a word. They're very inconvenient facts. They like to cherry pick, <laughs> cherry yes. pick what they're offended by and cherry pick what they're outraged by. Mm. And people have had enough because it just seems so disingenuous. Mm. But it's not just that. The problem we have with these idiots, like whether it's the celebrities or brands, uh, they don't understand that what we're going through is basically uh, the dark night rises with Bane. Uh, the moment if these hard left people actually take over, if they ever, obviously they won't, but if they were to take over, the first people they're going to come after are the same capitalist brands and the celebrities. Uh, they'll probably ban theatres and movies because it's against them anyway. So, and they're going to take all their money because they're millionaires. Uh, so I don't understand if, they, if these like, people like, know what they're supporting or not. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I'm going to go with my third one. My third one is a bit of a personal gripe, I have to say. Uh, absolutely no justification whatsoever for putting him in other than the fact that he uh, became a complete and utter plank on Sunday night. And he's a bloke by the name of Dom Jolly. You might remember he used to be a comedian. Uh, he used to be quite funny. Uh, he used to have a show called Trigger Happy TV where he talked into a very large phone. Um, but actually the thing that I thought he did best was he had these people dressed up as animals and my kids used to watch it with me um, and he would have like somebody dressed as a squirrel or something crawling across a zebra crossing really really slowly and it was brilliant it was very funny television but he's turned into a sort of woke um, archangel of some kind or other and I did one of my uh, classic ripping up of the Guardian uh, last Friday because um, I was annoyed uh, with this particular bloke called Luke somebody I can't remember his last name but he's a writer uh, who had written a piece about Vera Lynn on the day that she died mind you going on about how her legacy was one of toxic nostalgia uh, and that despite the fact that he quite liked her uh, her entire image had been hijacked by the horrible likes of you Belinda de Lucy uh, a Brexiteer uh, who had taken her image and poisoned it uh, by attaching it to the flag and by making it seem as though she was in favour of uh, not being in the European Union and all of this nonsense right so I just ripped up the Guardian poor old Dom Jolly didn't notice it for two days but he noticed it on Sunday um, and he just put out a tweet saying, uh, what is a Mike Graham? Which, by any stretch of the imagination, is not particularly funny for a comedian, really. I mean, he could have said something funnier, and I might have had more respect for him. But I basically wrote to him back and said, uh, I'm the guy that's had a job for 10 years, unlike you. And unfortunately for him, uh, you know what this is like, Maya, he got completely piled on by all my followers. Um, and, um, and he had, I think, 24 likes to his tweet. I had 4,000. And every single one of the people that sent him a tweet was like, you're a has-been, you're irrelevant, uh, Mike Graham is very relevant, he's the coming guy, you know. And I, I, he just disappeared off on Twitter, I never saw him, he hasn't said anything since. So he's definitely in, in there for me. My uh, little confession, I, uh, when I was a student, many, many years ago when I first started um, uni, I, uh, as a little job on the side, I, I was an extra in some of his, oh, his really? little uh, shots. <laughs> Did you ever um, dress up um, as a squirrel? No, I didn't have to dress up as a squirrel, but I had to be. I was paid to be a passerby, I think, and, and uh, you know, part the crowd and stuff when he was doing his little mm. events. Um, and I, I found him incredibly grumpy. And, you know, when you meet comedians yes. and you think, gosh, they, they must have a little bit of charisma, a little bit of sparkle and, and must like people because they want to entertain them so much. No, none of that from Dom. So I'm not surprised he used such horrible words like toxic nostalgia. Um, you know, for us who want to celebrate all the, the her heroism of the yes. Second World War. What a horrific phrase. I know. Absolutely awful. Maya. Yeah, no. So it's uh, the, the, firstly, it's kind of sad to see how a lot of comedians these days are. Uh, well, firstly, they forgot that it's their job to, for example, offend and actually yeah. be and then be politically incorrect. Uh, so that's, a, that's the first problem, which is funny when you see comedians getting offended. And uh, the second uh, issue is that actually... This is one area where the common sense side could win 
because we still have the free market. So uh, all these comedians and all these people are going to be exposed uh, for their idiocy, and people are not going to find them funny anymore. They're not no. going to like and see the the woke type type of comedians. Uh, and uh, so this is actually good because it's all about supply and demand. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I mean, I have yet to meet really anyone um, who claims to be a comedian who's actually funny when they're not being a comedian, you know, who just sits, like, if you're having yep. lunch with somebody, I mean, you know, you guys are funnier than most comedians that, that I've <laughs> ever met. Um, funnily enough, the only guy um, who I met who actually made me laugh constantly for two hours, uh, you, you won't remember him, Maya, but you might, uh, Belinda, a guy called Jim Dale, uh, who used to be in the Carry On films oh. years and years oh, ago. Oh, I love and he Carry did, On. And he did, he, he was on stage in New York when I lived there doing Me and My Girl on Broadway. And he was just one of those very old-fashioned kind of guys who, um, and he just kept telling me all these great stories about Carry On Columbus. He said, you know, we couldn't really afford much of a set. So what we did when um, uh, we set sail in the ship, when the ship was in the studio, we moved the background rather than moving the ship to make it look like it was actually sailing. <laughs> and, and just kept doing all this kind of character sort of daft Carry On stuff. And it was hilarious. And I spent two hours laughing my head off with him. But most of them, you, you sit there and you go, are you sure you're a comedian? You haven't actually said yeah. anything funny in the entire hour that we've been sitting here. You know, it's bizarre. Well, a true, a true sign of comic genius is, of course, it's when you're naturally funny off the screen, yeah. when you're quick right. and the wit comes naturally. Um, but I do think in the future we are looking for comedy shows that actually make people laugh. They're going to be the next speakeasies. They're going to be like these underground yes. places that are that are pretending to be something else, like a laundromat, right. and, and people go in there to have their laughs because <laughs> I can't see... If, if, if the media become more left-wing, comedy is going to be taken out of... It's going to be sucked out of every film. Oh, exactly. And we're going to have to go to these dark, dingy dens I know, of forbidden be, humor. Well, I should look forward to seeing you there. Um, right, now we've reached the point where we've got nine. Uh, we need to get them down to three. So basically, we need to pick our favourite one of each of our nominations. So, Belinda, why don't you choose which one of Maya's you like best? Um, Maya, tell her what your three are. Uh, Don Butler. Yeah. The NHS X app and Adam Bolton. Yes. Oh, Adam Bolton. Got to be Adam Definitely. Bolton. I love it. I don't think he's been <laughs> yeah. in the Plank of the Week yet. Uh, now I'm no, going to pick. I'm going to pick um, yours, Melinda. So tell me your three. Uh, Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. Prince Harry. Yeah. And Burnley Football Club. I think it's going to have to be Prince Harry. It's got. It's got to be. I mean, he hasn't. You know, he's been in uh, with Meghan quite a lot. He hasn't been in on his own for a long time. So I'm going to go yeah. with Prince Harry. So it's going to be Prince Harry. It's going to be Adam Bolton. Maya, you want to choose one of my three? My three are Adam Price. Uh, of course, uh, and then followed by that police officer whose name is Commander Alex Murray, and then Dom Jolly. I'm going to go with Alex Murray. Alex Murray is a good choice. Okay, so now we've got three. So we've got um, Alex Murray, the copper, uh, who doesn't police anybody at all, uh, but makes a good video. Uh, we've got um, Adam Bolton, and we've got Prince Harry. So one of those goes out to become number three. What would you say? Should we, should we, give, should we give Harry number three just because he is in it quite a lot? Yeah, why not? And then make think, make the final make the final between Adam Bolton and the commander. God knows how you get to be a commander of the police without actually doing any policing. I, I would give it to the commander. You think the commander? Yeah. I don't know. I'm for Adam. Are you for I Adam? Think, uh, I, I, I'm more forgiving with the police. I think they get told what to say a lot of the time. I think Adam Bolton, he needs to be there. I think he is the pantomime villain of 2020. In I the think newsroom. you could be right. And also, because he hasn't really been in it before, I think it'd be fantastic yeah. if he comes right in at number one. He might even yeah. uh, get quite upset about it and call me. You never I know. I know that's what I'm looking I was, forward to. I was <laughs> once at a party, um, a Piers Morgan Christmas party, and I was surrounded by four people who I realised had all blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and I think and he, he was Badge one of them. It was a badge of honour, absolutely right. Right, so Adam Bolton uh, is now Plank of the Week. Congratulations, Adam. You finally got popular at something. Maya and Yay. Belinda, well played. Thank you very much indeed. We'll see you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.